All right, welcome back to the Shift Train Podcast. Um, Edward Aselson here with Arthur Black, and this is part two of the episode. What's up? Oh, there's Arthur over there. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're now several drinks in. We're uh, continuing on um, from the last episode where we're picking up where we left off. Not only that, we now have Mrs. Wonk sitting uh, with us, if you want to say hi. Hey there, how are you guys? Hello, Mrs. Wonk! <laughs> uh, so she, she of the incredible Scotland driving skills. Yes. Uh, right, yeah, exactly. She was the one that carried yes. drunk Matt around all over Scotland. But I wanted you to pick up kind of a little bit where you left off. Um, you were talking about um, your f- photographing cocktails and like some tricks that people can... Uh, pull out there again I, I recommend all my staff to read that because I'm not always in charge of our Instagram accounts at our restaurants and I think it is something that people often forget and that goes for food photography as well mm-hmm. I have a background in photography and like front flash is your enemy always yes. there is yeah. no way to make a beautiful photo uh, using front flash unless you happen to be in broad daylight right. and you need to light your it's subject great for so, fill flash but that's exactly fun. yeah um, there, there's a lot of posts that we have really um, grasped onto, and I know you have a big following in Indianapolis because of that reason. I have a lot of my staff that uh, reads your your blog posts all the time. Um, a couple of really interesting ones that have grabbed my attention lately. Well, one that has gotten a lot of uh, attention in rum circles is um, your article that you were talking about. You know, can rum survive its day in the sun? Right. And I would I'd like to address that a little bit because I think a lot of people out there. Uh, you know, we're, we're speaking to people that don't really appreciate rum. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some there's some out there. It's still like, as Arthur mentioned in our last episode, that it's just now starting to come to into its own. But can that survive? Yeah. So, yeah, the, it's, it's sort of interesting. What I what I see happening is, you know, rum is you know, finally getting, getting a little bit of a track or a, a traction in the market. People are like, you know, taking a new look at it. And it's both good and bad. And what's happening is like there are some amazing producers like um, Foursquare um, who, who are putting out great products and doing it by what I would call in this post I called the you know the common sense regulations. You know the basics of like for you know any distilled spirit should be like you just you know you distill it, you put it in you know the appropriate barrel type, you age it for long enough, and you bottle it. Uh, you shouldn't, you know, muck around with it. You shouldn't add necessarily add sugar. You shouldn't add flavorings. You know, like, you know, like, uh, uh, wines, things like that. Like, so there, there are great producers out there who are making quality rum that is equal in, you know, equal in, in quality and craftsmanship to, you know, any Scotch whiskey, any, you know, any bourbon. Um, any pisco. You know, name your topic. There are great rums that are, you know, just should be on top of people's list for great spirits and you know they're finally sort of like getting more exposure but at the same time you're getting a lot of of crap brands who are who are like sort of leaping onto this you know jumping on the bandwagon and they're putting out rums which you know may well have started out as just pure ethanol and then they put like rum flavorings in them or you know rum flavorings or like incredible amounts of sugar and they're you know selling them as you know premium rums that's a big problem. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, if you look across the board, a lot of what is considered premium rum has heavy, heavy, heavy <coughs> doses of sugar added into that bottle. Yeah. I mean, we're talking like tablespoons of sugar into yeah. a liter. Yeah, like, like 30, 30, 40, 45 grams of sugar per liter of, of spirit. And, you know, 
and it, you know, some have made the point that you know it's a you know decades or centuries old practice, and you know there's plenty of rums that have some sugar in them that I enjoy. You know, plantation is often cited as as one such example. So I'm not going to say like all sugar is bad, but I'm saying is it's easy enough for like the people who are like maybe starting to get into rum, and if all they are given like the good rum, and they form this perception that. That you know, it's all it's supposed to be almost syrupy, like super sweet therapy. Like there's this perception. Like well, the perception I, is definitely it's made from sugar cane, so it must must be, be sweet. sweet. Yeah, and I actually did a I, I did a post about that, a very short post, like a couple weeks ago, but that really sort of resonated with the rum crowd, and it was essentially like the title was "Rum is made from sugar, and so is scotch and gin and vodka and bourbon or something like that." I'm butchering the title, but that was the premise of it. And like in a thousand words, I basically laid out every distilled spirit is sugar at some point. You know, you start from different source materials, but it all gets converted into sugar and then that gets fermented to turn it into ethanol. You you can't have a spirit without a fermented beverage and you can't have a fermented beverage without sugar. Yes. Period. Yeast feeds on sugars and... Period. Yeah. So the the point is, is like everything is sugar at some point, but they're, they're... you start seeing this there was this particular article from UK magazine and it was just like it was quoting things that were like yeah the younger people are liking rum because it's sweet and it just it sort of like really set me off and I think some of you know some of my best writings when I get pissed off and I have and I'm like damn it like I'm just gonna like lay it down here and here's exactly you know in very concise terms here's what here's how this stuff works and and you know I had a little bit of science of like hey a properly distilled product of any sort should have no sugar coming through the still. It doesn't matter what you start with. If you distill it properly, there should be zero sugar in it afterwards. So do you think this is a product of um, kind of the, the public that doesn't really understand what's going on or understand premium spirits? I mean, I'm going to throw my dad under the bus here because mm-hmm. um, he's a... Um, he, he uses this term a lot and it drives me crazy. It's one of my least favorite terms when describing an alcohol smooth yeah. right you hear smoothness all yeah. the time yeah and we very often well i always like associate that with sugar right because mm-hmm. i mean it's like yeah. a whole uh, spoonful of sugar helps medicine go down it makes the medicine go down but i mean it, it, smooth is sugar or sweetness making medicine go down or it's either low levels of, of acid or heightened levels of like uh more um oh how should i say it things that make a spirit or a beverage or a wine or a beer feel more fat or round. Yeah. Right. The viscosity. The unctuousness, the, the body, the, the viscosity, the, the difference on the palate between skim milk and you know, right. 2%, that, that resistance to the tongue. Yeah. Um, people I mean, I, yeah. always say, well, this is more smooth. Yeah. Um, because it's fatter, more round, higher in alcohol, yeah, has right. potential sugar to it. I mean, I hear this all the time. And if I put three different rums in front of someone <clears throat> at one of our restaurants, and I could put an agricole, much like we're drinking right now, agricole um, style, you know, or like, Drank. or well, yeah. let's even say I put uh, Dylan, one of my favorite agricoles, uh, 55% alcohol. It's definitely boozy. Uh, I put that down in front of someone. I put down 
uh, as Matt mentioned, Foursquare. So you could put down a Foursquare or Real McCoy, which is also made by yep. Foursquare, Richard right. Seal. Right. Uh, and or, then I put down um, something, say, uh, some, wanna, something, something else. You want to throw it? There are, there oh, okay, are, I'll put this. I, I'm not, I know you can carry it. We're all going to yeah. go to Zaya. Yeah, yeah. Or Zaya. Oh, Zaya, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's actually a better example. I'll throw them under the bus. <laughs> Zaya has changed quite substantially over the years, and they not for the better. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, their labeling has went from like twelve years to a blend of twelve rums. <laughs> uh, but so, but I mean, if I put those three down, so I mean, and they they are very, you know, they admit that there's sugar going into it, um, but it's it's a, it's very heavy handling the sugar. Now, if I put those three in front of somebody that doesn't typically drink neat spirits, it's going to be the Zaya every time. Uh, I go to Vegas a lot. If I go to any any bar in Las Vegas and I ask for a neat pour of rum, they almost always immediately reach for the bottle of Zaya because that is the perception of smoothness. Um, and that's, again, like Matt said, it's and historically it's, not sugar, it's, okay, it's also glycerol. Right? It's like glycerol, some of the, right. Yeah. And that goes back to what Arthur was talking about with mouthfeel, you know, um, and like that unctuousness, you know, it feels good on your palate. Um, but again, I mean, so... The argument constantly is like these are techniques that have been employed in cognac yeah. for yeah. centuries. Yeah. So what's wrong with doing it in the rum? But right. it, there's so little regulation in the rum world that you don't have, you know, some governing body saying, "Yeah, but don't go overboard." Well, there. Is, I mean, that's well. Here's the part: is there are there are some 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 countries that do regulate, and like so. Um, back up a little bit here if you look at you know, scotch whiskey is highly regulated and so when people when people see it, the label says scotch whiskey they are single malt scotch whiskey etc cetera, etc cetera, they they kind of have a minimum bar expectation they kind of know what they're going to get uh, same with bourbon you know must be aged at least three years and you know in uh, new american oak etc cetera, etc cetera. it's actually I don't, it's not new american oak but new oak um, but they have a certain expectation of what's in there whereas in rum, since it's all over the world, no one, there's no single regulating body which can control it all. So, so countries like Barbados have regulations, companies like Jamaica have regulations, Martinique has very stringent regulations, that's the AOC, Ed has, has, uh, has mentioned. Um, but it's in this global market, everybody is sort of like compete, putting it under the category of rum, and, and people don't, you know, they, they'll see a fantastic bottle of like Appleton 12 next to a Zacapa 23, which is not age 23 years, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But they have, there's, there's no real strong markers of what, what quality is or what, you know, like, like minimum bars are. So, and so, that, so to go back to that piece I wrote is, it was just sort of like saying, here's the good and bad. Like you're getting, you're getting great, you know, you're getting great spirits coming in, but you're also seeing an influx of, of crappy, crappy rums who are just trying to jump on the bandwagon, bandwagon, um, promoting themselves as, as, you know, for the very, you know, for the very, you know, exclusive rich people because it's a $600 bottle of, you know, 28-year Panamanian rum. This has been a very hot topic. Yeah, this has been a very, the rum aroma story, yeah, the rum aroma story has been, has been a big one. I don't, yeah, that's a fun one. I don't even know if anybody has it, quote, in market because, they they only want to sell to the uber rich. They, no, they they want to they, sell they to yacht owners. Yacht basically. owners. That's basically, correct. Yeah. They have said this flat yeah. out. 
Yeah. And yeah. we know the producer yeah. of that rum. Oh, right. Really? Okay. You know, oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. It's so, like, I, I can't, why pay yeah. 500 bucks? I could pay yeah, yeah, exactly. 80 and yeah. get the same yeah. juice, yeah. probably. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so in this article, like, I sort of outlay, like, here, you know, here's the challenges that we face. And, but then and I think the best part of it is at the end, I go, here's what you can do. If you're seeking out quality rums, ones that have a regulations behind them, here are the countries that do these, that have these rums. Here is like, I highlight the authentic Caribbean rum uh, as, as you know, like basically they basically will put give you a seal of approval. Like you've met some minimum bar, uh, which unfortunately doesn't include, there's no sugar in it. But, you know, it's sort of like, here's what you can do. Here's what you should look for. Like educate yourself and don't just trust the marketing that's on these bottles. Right. So... You kind of touched on it a little bit going back. I don't know where the fucking segue was because I totally lost track there. But um, one of your other posts that I really like latched onto that was educational for me, and I think it definitely will be for spirits professionals out there, not on top of uh, just drinkers. But um, you did an article about a share, and uh, about what? You a share? Yeah. So you want to yeah talk about in? that? Yeah. yeah. So this is this is um, one of my favorite stories of all time that I that I wrote, um, and it's actually, it's, it's kind of fascinating. If you go back in time, uh, 250 years, there was a, there's a company founded in, in Amsterdam called uh, e Shear, and they started out like, kind of, as I understand it, uh, like a direct competitor to like the Dutch West Indies companies. They were a trading company, they owned boats, they shipped things around, but some of their cargo was rum, and I'm assuming also Batavia, Iraq at some point, but um, it's just similar to rum. Uh, but essentially over the years, over the you know, hundreds of years, they became specialists in rum. And they essentially not only were like dealing with large amounts of rum, but at some point basically buying rum, storing them in their warehouses, and then blending rum. And so today- so they're like rum tailors. Yeah, they're basically rum tailors. Like we have, we have, they have rums from like 40 different countries and you know more than 40 different rum rum just from 40 countries and i and i believe for example every jamaican distillery they have rum from every jamaican distillery and so today you can go to them and you can say hey i want to start a rum brand i want to you know i want a flavor profile that looks like tastes like this they'll work with you and they'll basically custom create a blended profile for you and create it for you and they have vast supplies of rum like they have tankers coming in with like big containers of rum and they will they sort of manage the process of providing a you know a tailored rum so the prime example and how i found out about them is uh, denizen rum they have two different rums they're blended by ian a shear um, but it's also when, when if you dig below the surface you start finding out there's like a lot of companies um, are actually sourcing their rum from shear they they are they're effectively i called them like the rum merchants of the world that um, and like big established distilleries are often like saying we're only going to sell to Ian A. Shear, and if you want our rum, uh, you got to buy it through them, or you know buy it through Ian A. Shear. So fascinating story. Uh, we got to visit them in January when we were in Amsterdam, or February. Uh, we got to visit them. I met uh, Karsten and Hein, you know, 
fantastically gracious people. We got to go into their blending room. Uh, see, I mean, some of the photos on the blog are, are What's crazy. What's the size of this facility? Uh, this is, so this is, so it's kind of funny, like the actual, like this is not there. We didn't get to go out to the warehouse. Of course. But this, their blending room is literally like in a, in a, in a in Amsterdam house. Like from the outside, it looks like like any other sort of like upscale Amsterdam house. But it's kind, it's kind of funny though on the, the name. It looks plate. like any other upscale Amsterdam house. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like, I totally have a frame of reference there. Everybody <laughs> knows what that looks like. There, there, Can you imagine any you know, picture postcard of, of Amsterdam with the canal houses, right? Water in the front and their row houses like New York. Uh, brownstone sort of thing um, and it's you know it's been there for 400 years so you walk up to the you know up the stoop to the front door beautiful carved lacquered front door brass doorbell the whole thing yeah so, so do we have so, anything here that we can compare that to no not so much yeah, yeah, no. yeah but on but on this on this door placard it said not only does it say ena shear but it also says uh National Embassy of Jamaica. <laughs> well, well, I guess that could be technically I'm, right. I'm, I'm really confused here. So I, I ended up asking about it. So apparently, I would go there anyway. If I was walked by the yeah. Embassy of Jamaica, but like, well, I guess you're in Amsterdam. There's weed everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But so apparently, exactly. The story is I hear is Karsten told it to me. You see, like, I guess it does so much trading with the Jamaican distilleries. Worthy Park and and uh, Clarendon, Money Must, that National Rooms of Jamaica, that it sort of became effective for him to just become basically the Jamaican embassy in in Amsterdam. So, but yeah, so in, like just in this blending room, it's this insane collection of of rums from all over. Like I I, I swore into secrecy, but I, I saw bottles on the shelf. I'm like. Oh, you supply that. You supply that. Just like some crazy stuff. I mean, Banks is one. That's not. That's a fairly obvious one. But uh, Duppy share. But um, but there were not only like like tasting glasses of from their own like these are stuff in our warehouses, but also just insanely old bottles, like historic bottles in there, and and weird things like we got to taste like you know Ed's been to Hampton. We got to taste their their dock rum to DOK which is the highest ester rum on the planet. That's the 1600 ester. Six, I think it's 2000 well, depends like 2000. It? Well, I thought they could only export up to 1600 yeah, out of Jamaica. Apparently they they, they they doesn't mean <laughs> they can blend it or they Well, can, of course, they, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. But in in the 2000 part range. So That's insane. Yeah, I mean it, to for comparison a rum like a Ray and Nephew overproof is like 200 to 250. That's what I'm told ester count. Um, highest ester how are they quantifying that? They they have gas chromatographs. They yeah. they have they have they have laboratory equipment. Um, yeah, I, when we were down in Hampton Estate um, in last October, we were in the lab, and uh, I was talking to some of the guys in the lab, and they said that because they have to keep a sample uh, of every batch that goes out, and they said that I, I that whoever the authority is in Jamaica, the mm. Alcohol Tobacco yeah. Commission or whatever yeah, right. uh, in Jamaica had come in several months prior because they thought they had um, they had tested the, the government had tested one of the batches at over the limit of parts per million on esters yeah. and they had to go back and test the lab sample to see that it was in fact legal for export because uh, the government was yeah. saying it was not yeah. and so they showed the like here's our sample from that batch right. we were legit go retest your right. your yeah. sample yeah. And it's, okay. it's it's crazy as well. Like apparently this <clears throat> this style of rum, I think it was it's called was called high continental. 
um, was essentially never intended to be drank. It's so, like I've had it. Like you can't drink more than two sips. No, I had just a little touch of yeah, the okay when I was down in uh, yeah, you're uh, like, Jamaica. I hits. can't drink it. But essentially it was shipped over to, I think it was Austria. The idea was like there was some insane in taxes on imports in Austria. And so they would basically create this, basically it's rum concentrate. Ship it to Austria. I think it was Austria. And then essentially blend it with neutral spirits, you know, local neutral spirits to create an Austrian rum. Um, so yeah, Austrian rum. Yeah, so not yeah, rum is but huge not, in not Germany stro, and Austria. Not stro, but yeah, but yeah. It, uh, so Hamden Estate, when I was down there, not to change subjects, but um, they told me that ninety percent of their rum goes to Germany. That's how big of a deal it is there. We are practically ignored in the U.S. because we aren't yeah. going to put a dent into that kind yeah. of market. Yeah, it's also and so rum is also used basically for like I guess candy flavoring and cigarette like tobacco flavoring. It's basically, it's and it's using cosmetics. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy so, stuff. I mean, apart from rum, you write, obviously, I mean, you're cocktail wonk, not the <laughs> rum wonk. I know that you've leaned more towards rum. Yeah. Um, but are there any posts that you've done recently that you are particularly uh, enamored yeah. with? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so one of my favorite ones, it's, I mean, it's, Technically rum, but uh, <laughs> I mean, but no, but but but, but uh, staying on topic. Yeah, no, but it's but it's not it's not specifically about rum. The, uh, the you know my whole idea of breaking down, quantifying, demystifying. You know, the whole world of tiki is in, is incredibly complicated. Like people have this perception that you know these tiki drinks have eight, ten, twelve ingredients. They're all these super exotic things. That's not true. There's only eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, Never to twelve. Yeah, and that <laughs> and that all these names is like you know there's a painkiller, Mai Tai, Singapore slang. That's not technically tiki, but you know all these like you know exotic names. You're like, how do you make sense of them all? And you know, and like and it can be kind of intimidating for like the enthusiast, the home bartender who wants to to make a tiki drink. And so what I did is, as I first categorized the first like the top twelve to fifteen. Yeah, top 12 or 15 tiki drinks. And then broke them down. Like, I literally got the ingredients. I went to a standard source, got all the ingredients uh, for each drink, listed out the ingredients, and then categorized them, put them in buckets. And I could say, like, the most, you know, basically, the most predominant ingredient in every tiki drink is lime. Well, uh, well rum. But lime? then lime. So lime juice. And then second most predominant ingredient is, like, I think it was, like, falernum or something like that. But basically, I said... Like, here's all the ingredients you need to make, like, the top, the the most preeminent 15 tiki drinks. And, like, basically, and here's the order you should buy these ingredients. If you're like, buy this next, you can make these additional drinks. And basically, like, demystifying it into, like, if you want to get started with tiki, start with this basic set of ingredients. And then you can make these, all these great drinks. And then you can expand out, expand your repertoire. You don't need to go buy everything for every recipe. I mean, that's super useful for home bartenders, you know, because... There, I think that's one of the biggest fallacies is like you, when you start wanting to make good drinks at home, you want to go to the liquor store and buy everything. Yeah. And you don't need to spend $4,000 no. to stock a home bar. Yeah, yeah. you don't. No, we don't. <laughs> Much and, easier to stock a home bar yeah. than a wine cellar. Yeah. 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 Yes. And in the, which and, case, you will need yeah. the four grand. Four, yeah. four grand. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and there was also some, I mean, some good tips in there about like, like, you know, obviously citrus is a very important part of tiki, and basically there's like tips about like how to maintain you know, like your citrus inventory. Like you know, like as a, as a bar, you're gonna basically like buy a case and juice it all at once. For us home people, though, like we may buy 
you know, three, four pounds of limes, and you, got them, you make it last for two or three weeks. And for example, putting them in Ziploc bags in the refrigerator, they actually will last you know, three times longer than if you just leave them out on your counter. So, sure. So basically, I mean, it's not, you know. No, Arthur's a big fan of uh, tiki drinks after the heartburn episode that he it had in Miami. It kills me. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. kills me. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of, of Arthur and drinks, I think that uh, Arthur's got an appointment here down the street since he is organizing this uh, cocktail tour of Indianapolis. And as much as we would love to sit and talk tiki for the next uh, 15 hours with Arthur. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. I think he's going to have to split off a little bit, but uh, we'll, we'll continue on without you. I think we'll live. Uh, we'll yeah, we'll that, make it through. You know, I love tiki drinks. I just, I, I hate the heartburn. heartburn. It, it, and it kill, and it's almost like it's it's a personal thing. Like, I've spent my entire professional life eating and drinking rich and high acid wines and cocktails and everything, and I never got heartburn until I did the tiki experience. So well, you, like, you did overdo you, it pretty tiki. pretty hardcore that. That, that night. And granted, we did hardcore, but I've, you know, the, the bulk of my life has been doing things hardcore. <laughs> that, that, that is a good point. Um, and it's almost like, it, it's also a slap in the face to where, like, I made fun of you when I first got <laughs> yeah. to our, yeah, our, right, our tiki fest. I was like, hey, hey, old you under, man, you, you got Tums. Me. What's going on? You need a walker. And then you're like, you'll see. I'm like, blah, 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 whatever. And then like a day and a half in, I'm like, oh, my God, this pain in my chest. What is this? So it's kind of like God slapping me in the face. Well, Arthur, I mean, thanks for sitting here and doing this. I know that we've gone through two episodes here already. And I, I, wish, you could, I wish you could hang out and stay. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to talk Tiki for a little bit. But uh, we'll see you here in a little bit. Um, thanks, brother. Talk to you later, Ed. I'll see you guys soon. Thanks, Arthur. You know, we started touching on Tiki, and obviously that could be about 15 or 16 different episodes here. But, you know, I, I know you and I are both big fans of Tiki. In fact, um, there's a Tiki event tonight in Indianapolis that we've received an invite to, uh, Montahiki. Yes. Oh, yeah. So we might uh, have to swing by there after hitting some of the mixture accounts. Looking forward but, to that. Um, you know, I'm I'm really enjoying the, the Tiki renaissance, you know, that we're experiencing now. But... Um, you know, you're you're kind of very, very, very close to some amazing, amazing exotic Polynesian tiki, whatever you want to terminology you want to use um, on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're in Seattle. You're close to Tacoma. Obviously, we've already addressed that in the previous episode with uh, Jason at uh, Tacoma Cabana, Haley yeah. uh, Paley down yeah. in uh, Portland, yeah. and of course, you can't not mention Martin Kate at uh, Smuggler's Cove and. Suzanne at Longitudes. Exactly. And can't forget Rumba. I mean, they're not technically tiki, but... But they do have tiki nights. they do do tiki nights, and they... I mean, Rumba's tiki is solid, so... Shout out to Kate Perry. Yeah, and, Kate Perry. Uh, and, and I think and, Jim, yeah, Jim's my, probably left now, and... Yeah. And uh, also, my good uh, my good buddy, uh, Justin, at Diller Room. He's, uh, on Instagram, he's raining and pouring. If you're not following him, you should be, so... Yeah, that's one thing that we always forget to shout out here on the Shift Drink Podcast is our... We, you can follow us on social media here as well. We're Shift Drink Podcast on Facebook uh, and Instagram on Twitter. Somebody stole Shift Drink Podcast, so we are Shift underscore Drink on Twitter. Oh. Okay. Uh, we, we use Twitter a little bit less than we do Instagram anyhow, but 
Um, you can always find us at shiftdrinkpodcast.com, and you, all of our episodes can be streamed from there or iTunes, so we're easy to find. Yeah. Um, and then Matt, of course, is at cocktailwonk.com, and I believe you're Cocktail Wonk across the board on I'm all social wonk media. across the board. That's one, one reason I picked the name. And then and Mrs. Wonk is Clicky Chick on Instagram. So yeah, it's a terrible old name. If you want to you you know. see the uh, see the behind the scenes of the cocktail <laughs> walk, I don't need my entire life to be Mrs. Wonk, you know. Yes. But uh, we do kind of do some yeah. cross coverage yeah. on. Yeah, and she's I mean she's actually written food. some of the so written some of the not only has she written uh, co-written one of the posts and will probably do, be doing more, but also. She is, she is the, the funny in Cocktail Walk. What, what little bit of humor. Matt is uh, front of house. I am back of house. There if you, you want to think about it that right. way. Makes sense. So I, I, I don't make uh, too much of an appearance. Occasionally uh, insert some commentary. If I'm forced to copy edit at one in the morning when he wants to post something, then I'm going to put my well, editorial Well, it's nice to have Carrie here in Arthur's place. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, he's got work to do. Yeah. So Keep the chair Again, warm. Carrie or Mrs. Wonk. Yes. Uh, yeah. Or... Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Well, like, what, what did uh, Arthur just call you? Wonk wife? Wonk wife, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, it's, it's, my full identity. It's, no, it's funny, though. Like, I can, like, there, you know, I'll be like, I'll finish the post at like 11, you know, 35 in the evening, and I'll sort of wander into the bedroom, and she's in bed with the iPad, and she just knows the look. He's like, God damn it, you have copy editing, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> the editorial staff is left for the day. That's nice. That's a good uh, synergy that you've yeah. got between the two of you. Then. And keep him out of trouble. Well, you also obviously are a very supportive wife because I, I follow him on Instagram. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, seriously, are you personally holding up the cabana and Rumba? <laughs> and, and I mean, yeah, every photo, every night, is from one of those two bars. <laughs> I, I, I try to spread the love, but you know, I, I, I do love both bars. Uh, I love the staff at both bars. Um, two incredibly different bars. So for those of you out there, if you're familiar with Seattle or even not familiar with Seattle, I highly recommend visiting both these if you're in Washington State, um, particularly in that area. Uh, Rumba is very rum-focused, so they have... I think at the moment they have a little over 400 rums yeah, on the shelf. it's like 450 rums, but also yeah. since we were talking about agriculture. Um, they have been claiming, and nobody can dispute it as far as I'm aware, uh, the largest selection of agricole in the world. I, I wouldn't have a hard time believing that yeah. because I was uh, recently in Martinique with uh, Kate and uh, Jim Ramdahl, so their manager and bar manager. Or, well, former, former, soon well, to be former, 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 soon to be former bar yeah, manager. Kate, Kate is still there. Jim has recently left to go work for Novo Fogo. Uh, but they brought back somewhere in the neighborhood of like 20 bottles uh, of different agricoles back from Martinique and Guadeloupe. And that was just from one trip. Yeah. yeah. So the owner of uh, Rumba, I believe his name is Travis. Travis? Yeah. Correct. He has got to be the coolest owner on the planet. I do not re- give my bartenders carte blanche to just yeah. spend several thousand dollars yeah. on uh, yeah. Yeah. esoteric yeah. rums that cost yeah. an arm and a leg. Yeah. But they're, they're both trained professionals. So. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, but so like, yeah, so rumba is very, very, very like straightforward. It's a rum bar. When I go in, I almost feel like it's a, it's got a Hemingway, yeah, colonial, yeah, like Hemingway Cuba sure. type of, right. yeah, Marlins on the wall. I love the vibe. Yeah. It's, it's not a tiki bar. Yeah. It's definitely, it's like almost, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people out there might be more familiar with uh, what maybe a bourbon-focused bar would be, Mm -hmm. uh, or somewhere like Cannon in Seattle, to put it into your world, but, uh, or 
it, it feels very much like that. The wall, yeah. the shelves are yeah. tall. The yeah. walls go high yeah. up. It, it, yeah, it's it, filled it, with rum. Yeah, it, it evokes a particular time and place. It's had a consistent theme to it. It looks mahogany. Like every, yeah, yeah, mahogany and like the uh, aquamarine chairs. Uh, that it's like there's it's put together well. It just it truly it's like escapism, but not the tiki escapism. It's right, the, like the British colonialist British, yeah. sort of yeah. Caribbean vibe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, similar to I mean, it predates it, but like similar the same way if you walk into Longitude in, in Oakland, you're like, right. you're like it's it's themed without being, you know, like dull. Disney. Yeah. 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 Now, Tacoma Cabana, that's on the opposite side of that spectrum. Yes. yes. So that that's, uh, does he consider himself a tiki bar? Does he use the yeah, word yeah. tiki? He, well, he, I think he believes he calls it a tiki and rum bar. If I yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Tiki and rum bar. Now, that's, that's interesting because you don't often see that. I've noticed a lot in my travels. Now, there's exceptions. Uh, I mean, Smuggler's Cove. Insane rum selection and also tiki. Um, Frankie's in Las Vegas. Uh, big tiki, or I'm sorry, big rum selection. Also tiki bar. I don't. Whenever I'm in there, though, I often don't see people actually drinking some of those esoteric rums they have. Right. They're going for the drinks, but they are accessible. In fact, uh, Mike Richardson, I believe, is uh, he's been there forever. Uh, works behind the bar. Uh, last time I was in there, he was fantastic. And They're pouring ice apparently us. a lot of ice going on behind <laughs> us. Well, they are preparing for a cocktail uh, yeah, festival here. Yes. So. Uh, but no, uh, I believe his name is Mike. But he was one of the co-authors of the book. Uh, Frankie's actually has a book. Okay. And, I've, I've um, seen it. And I ha- when I went, last few times I've been there, I've had a drink. Mm-hmm. But then I just dive into the rum because yeah. Mike's a total geek about the rum. I'm, and so, But you don't see that move. often. It's almost like there's a, uh, a split. Yeah. Right between tiki and between rum, like not that there's a they're they're opposing factions, yeah. but that you kind of fall on one side or the other. You're more interested in the cocktails and what you can do with the rum, or you're more interested in the rum and you know so, then so the cocktails it, yeah. are secondary. I think I mean I think about this a lot, and it's 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 interesting. It's like we're the only sort of like spirit community that has that has this insane overlap. Like you don't like. Like there's like obviously a you know a big bourbon community, but it's not like and they kind of have their their official style of cocktails. I mean, right. maybe an old fashioned, but totally true. Yeah, but they don't have that just sort of like like whole separate culture, like like culture around it. Same with same with gin, same with Scotch whiskey. But what I found is like they're like you can completely enjoy rum, and there are, and there are people who who are completely rum fanatics. You know, especially like in Europe. Who are complete rum fanatics have these insane collections and they have no interest in tiki, like that, and that's totally fine. But what I found is, is that if you think of it as a Venn diagram, there's this tiki, there are tiki people and there are rum people, and there's this incredible overlap. So you know, people like you know, people like you or Jason or Mark Kate, you know, who look are decked out in tiki wear and like live in a tiki lifestyle. By the way. Thank you very much for just putting me in the same sentence and category as Martin Cade, because yeah. I don't think I've quite earned that. Well, I've but. never drank Appleton 50 with him, so. <laughs> so all right, so all yeah, right. Yeah. Touche. But, but, but yeah, the, these basically, that these people, like, who, to the casual observer who knows nothing would be like, you know, he just wants, like, you know, shitty, fruity drinks or whatever. But the reality is, like, no, we can sit down there and, like, dissect, you know, pot stills, you know, output from Foursquare versus, you know, versus right. West Indies Rum Distillery, whatever. Like, there's incredible knowledge about rum as held by people who don't at all look like, you know, their equivalents in the bourbon industry or, you know, the bourbon world. No, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. And I think about that a lot as well because 
I know a lot of tiki people that really don't care whatsoever about the rum that's going to the drink. Yeah. If, as long as they make it the way that Don Beach or Trader Vic yeah. made it. Um, I mean, and then I know rum people that are just like, I would never take this and make anything but maybe a Cuban Manhattan or a rum old fashioned. Right. Like, it's just too beautiful. And, um, you know, I wish we could bridge that a little bit. Yeah. You know, um, I think Martin did a pretty good yeah. job. So Martin Kate, for those of you out there that don't know, is the owner of Smuggler's Who Cove, Whitechapel. Why are you listening to this? <laughs> uh, right, yeah. If you're listening to this and you don't know Martin Kate, come on. There's, there's a problem somewhere. But uh, no, he owns Smuggler's Cove in San Francisco, Whitechapel. It's a gin-focused bar in San Francisco, Falls Idol. And then there's a couple of other places where he's an investor, but not necessarily an operator. So, um, But his book that just came out, he's currently on a book tour, and that's... An understatement. Right. I think every <laughs> si- every day he's in a new yeah. city. Well, not only him, but him and Rebecca as well. Right. Rebecca. Well, they're Rebecca, co-authors, they co-authors yes. and yes. she's there. Like Martin's there, Rebecca's there. So give give yes. credit to, to Rebecca. She Absolutely. deserves that. Absolutely totally. deserves uh, that. I mean, there's a lot of it that she did in the book. A lot of the cocktail recipes in there are hers. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, I mean, when you go down that tiki rabbit hole, um, you'll either have your wife right along with you, or you're going to get divorced. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but I, his book um, does seem to tie it in. He, he dedicates a whole chapter into understanding rums yep. and uh, different processes without going too wonky, yep. uh, you know, yep. to getting too crazy about the pot stills, the column yep. stills, like yep. kind of like here's what to expect. There's, you know, some things that can be expanded upon, but I don't really think that that book was the medium to do it. That was a way to introduce, yep. maybe mm-hmm. open some eyes, like, hey, you're into a Mai Tai. Here's how you make a right. Mai Tai, by the way. Do you want to understand the rums that go in it and why? Yeah, and, and, he, and I, got, I give him credit for uh, creating a, a categorization system. And it's different from other categorization systems. And, you know, I think it's, it's going yeah, to be, be interesting, you know, to see how it plays out. But, you know, any, any category is necessarily going to have some detractors. People say, well, does it cover this or that or whatever. But he's, you know, I think he's sort of building on a... Gargano classification, which now I'm totally walking out on here, but oh, totally, yeah. But essentially, you know, let's talk about the production methods of of this, of this. Well, it's imp- it's important to understand if yeah. you're going to build a drink. We know what lime juice tastes like. Limes are going to be limes. They might taste a little bit different in different seasons, but you essentially know what a lime is going to taste like. But rum's going to yeah. taste different, yeah. A pot, from like country said, to country, a, a, and yeah, technique a, to technique. Yeah. A pot still Jamaican rum is going to taste. In- Incredibly different from a pot stilled uh, Demerara rum, for example. So you gotta you gotta kind of know what the flavor what what flavor that rum has, and you know, where what drinks does it work in, and, and how do you, how to use it appropriately. Right. I know you and I are suckers for Jamaican yeah, funky yeah, rums. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, we're we're suckers for that, and I I'm unapologetic yeah, about yeah, it. No. You know. Yeah. Um, in fact, we've got a cocktail tonight. I just got a text while we were sitting here recording. Uh, from my uh, bar manager at Black Market, we've we are uh, they decided to do a hurricane uh, mm-hmm. for the cocktail tour tonight, which not necessarily a classic cocktail, not necessarily a cocktail that gets a lot of attention, yeah. but we're using some pretty funky Jamaican yeah. rum, and awesome. so it is. I uh, he was asking me, you know, he gave me a couple of options on what he wanted to call it, and uh, he ended up uh, settling on the Hurricane Bootsy. <laughs> okay. Because it had to have some funk. All right. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's and Bootsy awesome. Collins has got the funk. Yeah. So there you go. Like I said, we've got the funky Presidente uh, <laughs> that's barrel aged yeah. in there. So we've had a lot of fun with some of those funky yeah. Jamaican rums. Yeah. That's great. Uh, again, these these 
tiki conversations could get very long and very involved. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's funny. I was going to say, uh, uh, going back, you know, the, the notion of like the rum people and tiki, and it's kind of funny. This other people don't realize until you're sort of in the world is like there's an incredible number of effectively historians in the tiki community mm -hmm. like Martin I mean Martin's obviously the canonical example but I mean the research or not the research yeah. the resurgence yeah. has really it came from those guys yeah, right those guys, like Martin and Jeff Berry like they were doing insane amounts of research but I can I, I, I can probably point to 20 people who, you know, friends of mine who, who can basically outline the history of Tiki, you know, getting into Stephen Crane and the flavor profiles of Stephen and Stephen like Crane, also a Hoosier, for those of you out there that aren't uh, local <laughs> yeah. to Indiana, yeah. from Crawfordsville, Indiana. Yeah. Incredibly important in the uh, Tiki world. Yeah. I highly encourage you to uh, Google his name. Yeah. He is buried in Crawfordsville. Uh, last time Martin was in town, we went up to his grave site and drank uh, Appleton 50. We, we didn't drink the Appleton at his gravesite. We actually uh, had flasks of jet pilots. Oh, oh nice. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So and we, we all poured a little out for I was going to say that you uh, pour one out for, for Stephen. Mr. Crane, yeah, nice. yeah. So little uh, Tupac meets uh, Stephen Crane. <laughs> but, but yeah, this is, awesome. but the point is there's like a lot, like I think unlike any other cocktail category, like the tiki, the tiki enthusiasts are historians and, and will want to truly understand you know, truly understand where this came from, what's what's authentic, what's real, and but also expand. Like some people are very like strict historian and traditional, but people like Jason are like, let's try new shit. Let's let's try Strega in a tiki drink. It may or may not work, but let's try new shit. So here's, and I, I don't mean to interrupt you. Yeah. And here's my opinion on this, because. Now we're really drilling down. We're, we're going down a fucking <laughs> rabbit hole now. And, and we can't push this into, into a third part. Okay. But uh, briefly, because we just got a few minutes left okay. here. Um, so I always tell the story is I, I got to meet Wynton Marsalis. Uh, I had imagined my life at this point. I'm 40 years old. And uh, up until about 24, I really thought that I would spend my life playing jazz like professionally for the rest of my life. During that time frame, I went. Marcellus was a, a friend of one of our. We have we have a mutual friend, and so he and I got to hang out and chat a little bit one night. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason that he's like the head of Lincoln Jazz Center. I mean, like he is a jazz historian. He does. He is against electric bass being used in jazz. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the shit that like Miles Davis did on Bitches Brew, he was flipping his shit. He he can't handle electric bass. Right. No keyboards, no like wow. moves, yeah. no, none of that stuff, right? Like, he wants to hold it back to 1960 and preserve that. Yeah. And there's that like element of the tiki community, right? Mm -hmm. That faction mm -hmm. that's like, this is the way that Don Beach did it. This is the way that Trader Vic did it. This is the way that Stephen Crane did it. And we are never going to change that. Right. And now we have the benefit of technology. We have the benefit of, you know, 60 plus years, depending on which, you know, restaurant or bar we're talking about. Um, different products we have globalization we have shipping all over the world you don't have to have mules bringing your rum in from different countries so then you have the other side of that um that wants to experiment out and bringing it back to my jazz conversation i also got to talk with uh branford marsala several years later mm. and he is the exact opposite almost to the point where he insulted his brother uh we were actually during the concert someone shouted out i mean it was a free jazz right, show right. right so it's just like Saxophones like, <laughs> and pe there were some people that were expecting 
traditional jazz, right? Like right. classic standards. Right. That's what they wanted right. to hear. And somebody heckled him. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they shouted out, like, play, you know, whatever, Satin Doll. I can't remember yeah, what yeah. the hell they yelled at, yeah. you know? And he got on the microphone and he said, I think you're at the wrong show. You're looking for one of my brother's concerts. <laughs> I know, right? And I was like, oh my God, Ooh. I can't believe he just. But, uh, but there, there, there is that. There are two factions, even in yeah. the TV world. They're like, like you said, Jason, it's like, let's try some new stuff. Again, we mentioned in our previous episode, the Golden Shellback, one of the best sticky drinks I've had, hands down. It's not a classic. Martin Kate. Uh, Dead Reckoning. Yeah. That is on its way to becoming a tiki classic, but it's definitely already considered a modern classic. Um, you know, you can't go anywhere. And I don't think he intended it to become yeah. that. Yeah. It was yeah. just, uh, it just did. So. And like the 20, 2070 Swizzle is another one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so much going on out there. We've got, you know, limited time left here today. But I mean, we could. We're definitely going to revisit Tiki episodes in the future. I know you live far away. If you don't come back into Indy, you got to come to Seattle. You know, we we can come to Seattle and do this. Uh, You can do it from Spain. From Spain, you know, when you're in Jerez with 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 Arthur, or um, you know, we might be able to like Skype you in and and do this because this is certainly something that we want to discuss in depth in a future episode. I know these next few episodes might be a little bit rum-centric for some of our audience, but, you know, it's something that I'm really passionate about mm-hmm. as much as Arthur is wine, mezcal, and sake. Right, right, yeah. So, you know, we kind of fall into our comfort yeah. zones very often. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but uh, we've, got, we've had some great guests up to this point. We've been really blessed. I mean, we're, we're just a few episodes in, and it's really been a lot of fun to have uh, the cocktail wonk here and Mrs. Wonk, mm-hmm. uh, a.k.a. Carrie. Thank you. Um, and she on Instagram, she is Clicky Chick. Is that I having know, an underscore? I know, it's terrible. Is yeah, it, it does it, have an underscore. So it's Clicky yeah. underscore Chick. Yeah. Uh, that's I'm pretty much tagged in almost all of his photos, so if you can't find me on under that, look under the Cocktail Wonk photos, and, and you can yeah. find my screen name there. If you so. happen to be in the Pacific Northwest, Carrie's also an amazing interior designer. Um, she Thank does you. great work. Look her up um, and find her. Matt is at cocktailwonk.com. Cocktailwonk.com. Same thing, Cocktailwonk on Facebook, Cocktailwonk on Instagram, Cocktailwonk on Twitter. And, and I do try to split apart the feeds to be like information relevant to that platform. So, Super. Again, this is uh, a shift drink. So, you know, our social media, again, we had to split it up in weird ways. So we're shiftdrinkpodcast.com. We've also got, uh, you can find us at Shift Drink Podcast on Facebook. And on Instagram, but on Twitter, somebody uh, jacked our our handle, so we're shift underscore underscore Jesus. All right, we we you notice how much of this rum <laughs> bottle is yeah, gone? That, yeah, you the made rum it through the bottle. Uh, yeah, shout out to Chalong Bay for uh, sponsoring the last two episodes unofficially. <laughs> unofficially, uh, but yeah, we are shift underscore drink on Twitter. But uh, we definitely put our coolest stuff up on Instagram. So, uh, but we got, we retweet a lot of uh, or repost a lot of articles on Facebook, um, and a lot of those articles do come from Matt on, from Cocktail yeah. Wonk. Yeah. He writes about things that are relevant to our interests. Um, so you will find a lot of his writings reposted there. Uh, check him out on uh, and, Twitter, and, Facebook. And I also try to like in the Cocktail Wonk Facebook. I also try to repost other writers who I. Who are also putting out great content like Josh Miller from Inuakena and Paul Synth from Rum Journey. Like, it's not just my stuff. It's great like, people. Yeah, Love yeah, Paul. Yeah. Uh, glad that, you know, we got to see him a few months ago yeah. and you he said hello to yeah, me. Yeah, and, yeah. and now I have an opportunity yeah, and yeah. a platform to say hello back. Yes, so, yeah. nice. thank you, Paul, uh, for passing that along. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we're going to wrap up here for today. We're going to go out and grab some cocktails for the evening as though we haven't actually had several <laughs> of them we need already. more liquor. <laughs> right. We're, we're like, 
We're over a half bottle in now, and the bottle of champagne is long gone. Yes. <laughs> um, and we're sitting in the middle of uh, Spoken Steel here in Indianapolis and have yet to buy a single thing. So I think it's time to go give a giant tip to the bartenders for letting us use their space. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening. And thank we're going to, you know, I, I, I look forward to having you guys back, um, hopefully sooner rather than later. Excellent. I know there is a possibility of you coming back into town in the next month or so. Um, teaching your uh, social media yeah. class so yeah. let's make it happen until next time we're Shift Drink we're sitting here with Matt Patrick and Carrie Smith have a great week